This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. You know, it's still early, you know. It's, uh, you know, obviously last year's, you know, a different year. And, um, you know, we, we look at it as just a, a tough test. You know, we know Vegas is a good team. We know they uh, they have a lot of, a lot of you know, really great players over there and uh, guys we got to watch for. And, um, you know, for us, we're, it's just a matter of trying to, you know, get ready to get it ready for our game, continue to build our game and, um, you know, battle through the adversity when it comes. And that's all we can do. Mark Shifley, Vegas Golden Knights in town. Five o'clock pregame show, puck drop at seven right here at 680 CJOB. Optional skate this morning, Jim. Uh, Mason Appleton on the ice. Uh, he was, uh, or took a maintenance day yesterday for practice. Um, he, he was believed he was going to be good to go, but we needed to see that uh, today to confirm that. And the big news coming out of the morning skate, Jim, uh, Logan Stanley uh, will enter the lineup tonight against Vegas with Nate Schmidt, a healthy scratch. Good afternoon. Um, this is something that has caught my eye, and it goes back to the discussion of Blake Wheeler in Game 2 being sat down for the third period in New York, mm-hmm. only playing 12 minutes, then taken off the power play, and in Game 3 only playing 9 minutes. So that doesn't shock me for a 37-year-old forward who maybe isn't performing. Yeah. What shocked me was the couple days that followed that game two for the Rangers was Timo Meyer got benched in the third period in game two for the New Jersey Devils. Severinsen got benched uh, in the same. Lindy Ruff was asked about a post game and he said, you can't take a dumb penalty. Like-. Or you didn't say dumb. Sorry. You can't take a penalty like that. Yeah. And then forgive me. I wrote this down somewhere, but there was another high end player that the second or third game of the season has been benched. Um, so we're going to talk about the Velarde injury and, and who moves up and stuff, but Perfetti's going to the wing. Uh, Ehlers and Nemestikov look to be reunited, and, and Rick Bonus said yesterday, I need to get some more production out of that. I've never seen a time like this this early in the season where so many coaches, the leash is absolutely gone. And I'm, I'm all for it. Like, I think this is interesting, but yeah. I'm from a world where National Hockey League coaches – put together a lineup and if there's no injuries why is they that? go 8 to 10 games and then go okay well it's not working why is it after 3 games the jets have already said Nate Schmidt has not been stellar let's let's be honest yeah, his first so, 3 that's games that's why I was leading with this so yeah. Nate Schmidt gets sat down a veteran making big money because he hasn't played well yeah not just sat down cam not played unless he's hurt but he has no. not performed well and i think they're making a change where they're going here's your opportunity once again, Logan Stanley. Here's Bones, Schmidt being a healthy scratch, and why Logan Stanley? First of all, the team's given up way too many goals. We are. we got to tighten this thing up. Um, there's a couple of areas of Nate's game that we need him to work on. We're very clear with that to him. So, um, you know, Logan gives us that big physical presence back there. This is a very big team we're playing tonight, um, and we needed some size back there. Uh, Logan will give us that. Yeah, and Logan Stanley's going to be matched with uh, Sandberg. The reasoning for that, uh, Stanley um, hasn't played anything on the right side, but Sandberg has, so that's why Sandberg is, is taking that spot on the right side. So, and, and look, I'm not opposed to this at all, but here's what I'll go back to. Yeah. Last year, Kyle Connor scored in the first game, and then he went eight without scoring. Now, do I think he played bad? No, I don't. No, I remember he, he, I remember him missing yeah. the net. I remember him hitting the post and being dangerous. He was really good over that period of time. But I think that what we're seeing around the National Hockey League is it's surprising to me that some big-name coaches like 
um, Laviolette, New York, and and Lindy Ruff in New Jersey, yeah. and and even here, like Rick said yesterday, along with the injury to Velarde, Rick Bonus said. Ehlers and Nemestikov, I need more production of that third line, i.e. we talked about Perfetti coming into training camp and how important this is. I said, you know, I expect them to give him a run at 2025 games. Yeah. Maybe the Velarde issue is pushing this, but I don't think it is. I think he's like, I need more production. Well, and 14 goals in three games. I mean, the the, the Jets have scored, um, they've scored nine, they've scored 10 goals so far uh, this season, but they've 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 let in fourteen. So it doesn't bother me. I'm not upset about it. I'm just surprised, Cam. Yeah. I'm surprised of like I said, with Wheeler, I'm not. Yeah. Cause you have a really good top six in New York. He's thirty seven. If he can't keep up anymore and if he's struggling, they make a change. But the names they're changing for a Blake Wheeler after you brought him in. I know they're not paying him much, but yeah. so that's fair enough. Whatever. The Timo Meyer is in the first year of an extension. That is, and he got benched for taking a bad penalty in the second game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the Timo Meyer situation. He's not going anywhere. Well, no. Well, that to me, when he signed that big deal there, that to me reeked of a, we just spent all this, we need to keep him. And I think if they hadn't have went out and got him uh, during no, the trade I, deadline. I get all that. Yeah, yeah fair yeah. enough. But my point is with that extension, Timo Meyer isn't going anywhere. No. So to not give Lindy, him... Neither is Lindy Ruff. He signed an extension. Lindy Ruff just signed an extension. So to not give him eight or ten games to get his feet under him as a veteran with yeah. that size of a contract is bizarre. Same with Severinsen. And so now we come here and I'm like, Nate Schmidt's getting benched. Three games. And, uh, you know, other guys are moving up. Other guys are moving down. I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. Because I always wonder, like, what's the leash? And I, I think veterans get a lot of leash. But I, I wonder if this is a change just in philosophy where, where how competitive and how much parity there is in the NHL, there's not a lot of runway for you to get going anymore. Yeah. Um, so this is this is interesting to me as well as the other line changes. Well, but and, it stood out to me. And you also look at Perfetti. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's going to go back to playing center at some point during the course of this season. I'll just run down the projected lines sure. here. Connor Shifley and Appleton. Appleton moved uh, onto that top line. Uh, we'll we'll play that clip from from Rick Bonus in just a second as to why Appleton. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering Nick Ehlers. Why wasn't it Nick Ehlers? Uh, well, Ehlers is going to be with Nemesnikov. Uh, Nemesnikov's going to move back to center with Perfetti, Ayafalo with Lowry and Niederreiter, and then Baron with Kupari and Gustafson, uh, Morrissey and Demello the first deep pairing followed by Dylan and Pionk, and then Stanley and Samberg Brassois will start in net uh, for for Hellebuck here, but. Uh, you know, the situation around Perfetti. I mean, this three games and, and he's already off uh, the position of center. Um, not enough points generated by that second line. Not that, enough that, at all. That's yeah. that's what they needed more from. And that's what I think Ehlers it's about. I, hasn't registered a point yet. Need a rider. He's, hey, he's had an assist. So am I, am I just like being old and old school and off base, but do you not expect this top six, even with Velarde, yeah. you know, injured, would you not keep your second line together for eight to ten games and see what they got? But I, no, and I, I, I'm yeah, fine I, with it. But historically, I have not seen this many changes this early in a season from this many teams. It's weird. I would That's say, all I'm saying. I, I would say this early on in the season, you, you're used to coaches sitting around and waiting a little bit more, being a little bit more patient with some of the lines, particularly with that second line um, where you know Ehlers. 
I mean, the whole camp, it was about getting those guys together. Ehlers, of course, was injured, didn't start on time, didn't play until he hit the ice in the, in the opening night in, in Calgary. Um, and But obviously there was something there that the coach didn't like. And uh, that line combining with Perfetti and, and uh, Niederreiter, each getting an assist, um, there were obviously uh, uh, the coach felt there was a there was a change made. Now I'm not so certain that this was just because of Velarde being injured. I think you might have seen some of these changes already. That's what I'm saying. Well, Nate Schmidt has nothing to do with Velarde being injured. Absolutely nothing. And no. the second line has nothing to do with Velarde being injured. Yeah. Unless you don't like that you're putting Appleton up there, so you don't like your third line. So now you're moving. But I, I do believe that the injury has Appleton moving up. Yep. I think the second line isn't producing anything. And I and as Rick said in that clip, they're giving up too much. And they are. They they are giving up too many. Without a doubt. When they're successful against, like, let's look at the three games. Calgary was the most successful game, and it was a loss. <laughs> that was, if they could harness that, they'll be okay. They gave up three or four. But it, the way they gave up and the way they played that game, Florida was okay, but they let in too late. It's, in the, you know. it's, it's just interesting, Jim, because we, we head into training camp. Perfetti is, is, is locked into that second-line center role. They gave him all opportunity over the course of the preseason. He was drafted as a center. He's expected to play center on this team. Three games in, they already make a change. Here's, I thought Perfetti would be at center of the second line for a minimum 12 to 15 games. I was exact. I'm in exactly the same boat as you. Bones here on perhaps people are wondering why Appleton. Well, Bones explains why he was moved to the top line uh, with Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley. Yeah, we need him to go to the net. When you're playing with those two guys, you've got to make sure you're going to the net. And Gabe was very good at that. Now, we, we Mason is Mason. We don't need him to change his game. The, the, the way he plays the game, that's how he has to play, even though he's playing with those two guys. He's reliable defensively, strong in the board, strong in the corners, but he has to get to the net for sure with those guys. So I don't – like there's a lot of text coming in here about Appleton being up there. I saw a lot of it on social media. Um, I know a lot of teams that move their third-line guy up when there's a hole in the first line. Um, Gabe, Gabe Velarde's position on the team and on that line was he was supposed to go to the net. Creates – Pull some guys in, create space yes. for the other players. Does he have the skill and scoring touch of Velarde? No. no. Does he do everything else that Velarde does? Yes. They're, they're not trying to completely change the characteristic of that line. That's why Nick Ehlers wasn't moved up. Yeah. If you move Nick Ehlers onto that line with Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley, it becomes a very, very different line. Otherwise, Perfetti would be going not to the ring wing on the second line, but the wing on the first line. Yeah. But Perfetti's not that guy. Yeah. Perfetti's not the dig yeah. the puck out of the wall, go to the net, cause chaos kind of player. He's a highly skilled end player. Now, is it optimal? No. Does I just said Mason Appleton does not have the scoring touch or skills or hands that Gabe mm-hmm. Vlardy does, but he does everything else that Gabe Vlardy does. He digs, he grinds, he goes to the net, he's physical. Um, so unless you, unless you have another number one line right winger somewhere in the lineup, it's Appleton. Yeah, if if he was as good as Gabe Velarde, I mean, it might even have been his spot. I, I think often some fans, not all, but some fans when these moves are made, they're like, what do you, like as if there's a second line winger just waiting here. Yeah. Like Patrick Line didn't get moved up or something like that. And I'm like, that's not the case here. Yeah. 204-780-6868. We'll get to a lot of your guys' text messages. 204-780-6868. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Dan Duva, Vegas Golden Knights play-by-play man, is going to be joining us right after 12.30. This is a real great text. Yes, but what does this do for Cole's confidence? 
this is my point of all the changes this early on. Sorry, get your confidence. It's the National Hockey League. We got no time to waste. Yeah, that's what it does to Cole's confidence. Uh, well, then it was a discussion. Play, better. Play Rick, better. Rick Bonus spoke about that. He had a talk with Perfetti. This is what's happening, and he understands. And that's the way it is. We have time. I'll play that audio for you. But right now, we have to take a break. We will come back. Dan Duva will be joining us right after this. And what is going on in San Jose? I'll tell you what, when we come back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. So according to Frank Cervelli with the uh, daily face-off, the Sharks uh, will uh, were planning to place Kevin LeBanc on waivers forward with the team. Been a healthy scratch for three of San Jose's games this year. He's in the final year looking for a trade of a $4.725 million deal. Okay. Well, apparently after informing LeBanc's camp that he'd be placed on waivers today, the Sharks reverse course, and LeBanc is now expected to make his season debut tonight, Jim. That is the definition of a 180. You get the call or the meeting that says, just so you know, we're going to put you on waivers today, and you're well aware you haven't played any of our first three games, and hopefully somebody picks you up and you can just flourish somewhere else. Yeah. And then two to three hours later, something else Maybe the same person, maybe not, goes, hang on here, hang on. We're going to start you tonight. Knights, uh, Golden Knights play-by-play man. Dan Duva joining us when we come back. I'm what? Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Right now, 13 degrees at 680 CJOB as we get you back to a playoff rematch edition of Jets at noon. I mean, obviously, it's on all of our minds. Uh they they kicked our ass late in that series and you know we uh we've had a sour taste all summer so we're excited for the opportunity tonight and we're gonna we're gonna jump on it and capitalize mason appleton moved up to play with mark shifley and cal connor with the injury to gabe velarde it's personal jim toth wow skylar peters really sold that rematch yeah pregame gets going you want a piece of me who does laura brassois play for again oh us now the winnipeg jets yeah pregame gets going at five uh, puck drop at seven and two. I've never seen him this amped up. He gets excited. He, he must have done all right on the online gambling. I, I've seen him get excited. He's got a little pep in his step today. I've seen him get excited in the newsroom before. What are you taking tonight? Fellas, it's backup versus backup. You just got to take the total. We're going over, over six. All right. Well, I think wh- you're talking about two pretty good backups, though. LT versus LB. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Now to talk all about that game, pregame at five, puck drop at seven. Dan Duva, Golden Knights, a play-by-play man joining us. Hey, Dan, how are you? I'm great, guys. How are you? Excellent. Do- doing fantastic. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. A 4-0 start to the year uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, what have they been doing so well so far? Well, it seems like in a lot of ways they've picked up where they left off. How many times do you see a championship team bring back almost the entire group that had won the Cup the year before? Obviously, Riley Smith is the notable player not back, but everybody else is pretty much the same. Some of the younger guys have come along. They've managed to weather some early injuries. They had five regulars out for a couple of games, uh, but they got a couple of back and maybe one more today. So it's impressive how they've been able to have that continuity and continue to build their first opponents were not quite the level of the Dallas Stars or even the Winnipeg Jets, obviously, teams the night faced in the playoffs last year. Um, but they've, they've built their game. They've seemed to have gotten better as each game has gone along. 
Dan, you know, this is going to sound maybe weird to you or, or some of our listeners, but when I look at Stanley Cup champions and the next season starting, I always look, okay, what what could happen to see them not repeat and how tough will it be to repeat? It's one of the toughest things to do. Even back when Colorado won it, I thought, well, without Landeskog, that's a key injury. Like, that's how they're built and stuff. This is a roster that I don't, I think could run it back. Like, I, I look at the way it's built, the way it sustains injuries, how deep it is. Um, this is an organization, and, and even as we're mentioning um, the backup goalie tonight, this this is a, a roster right now that could, with the style they play, easily go and, and win another title this year, could they not? And I, and I mean yeah, that, I I mean that more really... so than others. Like, I mean that more so, like I saw Tampa Bay yeah. and stuff, but it's so hard to repeat. But I look at this roster and the style they play and, and how they were in the playoffs, and I, I think this is one of the favorites to run it back in the last decade. Yeah, no, I think that you you broke that down really well, given the number of players who have stepped in in injury absences. And then you consider, you know, the number of injuries they did sustain last year. You know, Mark Stone didn't play the last couple of months of the regular season, had another back surgery, and now he feels great, he says. Had a good playoff run. And so now the question is sort of, you know, how good can that line be with Stone, Stevenson, and whoever might be on the wing? Even Jack Eichel missed some time. Bruce Cassidy said Jack Eichel has not yet hit his potential yet. And that's exciting if you're a Golden Knights fan. So the question is, you know, how about the goaltending? You mentioned Logan Thompson, who was an all-star last year. We'll get the start today. You know, he was an all-star, but he was hurt toward the end of the season. Does he find that all-star form again? Can he do that consistently? Aiden Hill, of course, was the number two. At, at, you know, at some point in the season, Thompson was getting more games than Hill. But with all the rash of injuries, Hill eventually was the guy who was healthy and was great after Lauren Brossois went down in the playoffs and Hill went the distance and won the Stanley Cup and gets a new contract. So he has been continuing that play, like the same level play he had down the stretch in the postseason. He has continued early into this year. So that's a positive sign from the Golden Knights point of view um, is, is Logan Thompson uh, able to continue that as well. Remember, he got hurt a couple of times and didn't participate in the playoffs. So if there is a question, uh, as you talked about, that's there's not as much, um, you know, enough sample size to say that the, the Golden Knights goaltending will be as instrumental in winning as it was last year. It's going to be interesting because there's been a couple games for the Golden Knights so far, Dan, where uh, it's been near playoff intensity. I mean, it, it, how tough do you think it's going to be for this team as the champs to, I mean, I know this is only their second away game so far this, this season, but going to another team's barn as the champs and getting everybody's best. Yeah, that, that's it. And, you know, Bruce Cassidy has recognized that that can be a good thing and a not so good thing that his club tends to play to the level of the opponent. You'd rather, you know, motivate yourself, come in guns a-blazing and have a great start to every game. That's just not human nature, and in particular, the character of this team. Um, so sometimes that means you don't have your, your best game against a subpar opponent, but it also can mean that when you are playing a great opponent that you really react well and you kind of kick it up a notch. So, um, you know, how, how does that work out? From an 82-game standpoint, I don't know. Like the Dallas Stars was the stiffest competition the Knights had faced through the first four, and for the first time this year, they fell behind one nothing, and then they fell behind two to one. But then they stuck with it, tied it late, won the game in a shootout, and as you said, it was the most intense game of the season so far. 
So they, um, you know, different teams have different styles. Vegas can play different styles as well. They're a big team, and you know, heard Rick Bonus talking about that this morning, and how do you handle the big bodies in front of the net? And uh, can the Golden Knights get to that before slipping behind? as they did against the Dallas Stars, because you know, can, you, can you do that on the road, the way that you've managed to come back against Dallas the other night? That'll be, uh, again, not only early in the season, but you go look, you know, a few weeks or a few months into the season, and people still see that there's the Golden Knights, the defending Stanley Cup champions, that this is a measuring stick for us. Where are we, says a given opponent. Um, mm-hmm. And if the Golden Knights can continue all of what they've done here in the early going, it's seems like it's going to be a tall order for a lot of those teams. So many goalies used last year, Dan. Who has the advantage tonight, Loren Bressois or the Golden yeah. Knights? <laughs> yeah, both of them were good playing for Vegas last year at different times. You know, it, And Loren was, was great, just the, the size factor. It's similar to Aiden Hill in that respect, where the Knights gave up more shots last season than any of their previous five years. Um, and that's okay because they were, it was by design. Bruce Cassidy, John Stevens, a change of the defensive zone structure. You're going to give up more shots, but they're lower quality shots. And for bigger goalies who are you know, kind of the opposite of Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, who was you know, very athletic and acrobatic, but would not often let the puck come to him. These guys did. You know, Logan Thompson sort of in between, I think. And, you know, he's uh, with the lack of NHL games. I think he's still trying to figure it out. Sean Burke has been a terrific goalie coach. I think that he had really an imprint on each of the guys who played for the Knights last year. Um, Thompson, of course, in his first real NHL season and then Hill taking the reins. But, you know, Lauren Brossois, I think, would tell you that he, he got something out of that relationship, too. And But what, what a great pro Lauren has been. You know, the injury that had him miss the, the start of the season goes to the American League. And when he comes up, he was terrific. Then he gets hurt. <laughs> He's got to recover from that. Then he comes back and, you know, it was just tremendous in the playoffs until he got hurt again. Uh, so tough run of injuries for Lauren, but but just uh, having him in Vegas, what a what a pro he's been, and you know, it's it's who knows where the season goes for Vegas if not for those contributions from Lauren Brossois or Jonathan Quick or Yuri Patera, because at one point he had four different goalies win four games in a row. Uh, Dan, one more for you. How do you think this one's going to go tonight? Well, that's a good question. Well, you know, I, you would imagine that given what has happened with the Jets loss against the Kings the other day, you're going to see the best out of Winnipeg. You know, it's a surprise that uh, Nate Schmidt would be scratched against this old club, but we heard Rick Bonus say that, Hey, they're giving up too many goals. And uh, as much as I'm sure Nate would like to play against his old club, you know, that's a tough decision to make. Um, And you know, that the rest of the guys on the team, I would imagine um, are going to want to take on the team that, did well against them in the regular season, then knocked him out in the first round of the playoffs. So again, you'd expect Winnipeg's best. Uh, does Vegas have that uh, response like it did against Dallas? Is it enough? Um, and then uh, you know, how's Logan Thompson? He, um, you know, he's had one regular season start. Hill had the other three and was very good. You know, uh, Thompson gave up just one goal in his start, but I think only faced 23 shots, so not exactly a heavy workload. So that'll be it. You know that. Uh, that will be an, an interesting thing to watch, see how Thompson does in his second start. Can the Golden Knights establish themselves in front of Lauren Brossois as they'd like to do, or does the adjustment Rick Bonus has made really help clear out that uh, that net front? One final, final quick one for you for me, Dan, right before we let you go is yeah. um, there's a little cachet to be in the Stanley Cup champs. I know it's early in the season. Have you noticed that on the road? 
Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> in San Jose, the, 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 uh, there's no love lost between the Sharks <laughs> for a variety of reasons. <laughs> so, so the cachet so, is even more uh, hatred. That's that's exactly right. Uh, and it was the uh, the home opener for the Sharks, and it was their first game, period, that particular night. And then when the Knights go to Chicago in a couple of days, you know, it's their first home game. Of course, there's the Connor Bedard excitement. So, you know, it, it's early in the season, and so teams are kind of looking at their own, um, you know, positives, negatives, challenges, and question marks as, um, you know, you go on the road, you, you, you chat with folks, you know, what was it like, you know, did you get your ring, and all of those kinds of, you know, chat amongst the, the folks in our business. But, you know, then it's, um, it's interesting because you were the center of the hockey universe for a week or two uh, during the Stanley Cup final, um, just as Vegas and Washington had been five years ago. Um, and Vegas had that incredible run in its inaugural season. So there was a lot of amazement, you know, wow, how, you know, first year, you know, who would have thought no expectation. And, and then this time around, you know, Knights are on their third coach. You know, they have been, um, you know, critiqued by fans for, you know, trading away very popular players or moving on from beloved coaches. But it's, you know, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon have had ice in their veins to make the right choices to help the team win a championship and it paid off. So, uh, you know, how that looks from different points of view. It's interesting. Teams that the Knights have beaten in the playoffs versus the fans back in Vegas. It is interesting. Uh, but uh, I, and I'll, I'll see what it's like, you know, in a couple months or when Vegas comes back to Winnipeg later on, because at some point that'll dissipate and you'll look and see, you know, who's at the top of the standings in January or in March, et cetera. Dan Duva, play uh, by play man uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights joining us. Dan, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, take care and I'll talk again. Yeah, have a great call, Dan. Thanks. Yeah, have fun tonight. Very good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. Bye bye. No, our pleasure. 204 780 6868. 204 780 68. I mean, what do you think about this game coming up? I mean, where do you? I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to be really engaged in this game. I mean, coming off the one against Los Angeles, I mean, you heard from Mason Appleton. I opened it up with that clip. They click, they, the, you know, the Knights kick their butts. Um, and I, I think it's, it, this is going to be a telling game. Now, and I think today doesn't set anything as to how the rest of the season is going to go for the Winnipeg Jets, but it could be an early indicator as to who the Winnipeg Jets are. I'm not saying they necessarily have to come out of here and get two points. I think one point would be great. Two points would be even better. But they got to play well. They got to they got to go back to the way they were playing against against Calgary uh, and against Florida. Well, that's what the Golden Knights do to you is they make you play well. They they're not going to come in and pound you for eight goals. I don't think so. <laughs> um, but yeah. you have to play well. You have to. It's interesting, right? Because I I think what the Jets have done with this lineup and the Dubois trade is kind of the way the Golden Knights are built. There are there are guys on this second line that could be on a first line. There are guys on the third line. Mark Stone was there during the playoffs that could be on the first line. They've got a deep lineup. They play their style. They've got good goaltending and they got very, very um, uh, high end defensemen. And I mean, high end that move the puck well and get up the ice. Well, Um, to me, this is more about the jets. The jets have to play that style that they played in the first two games and they have to be consistent with it in order to give themselves a chance to win. Uh, They don't have, um, well, they're kind of the same, right? Like Eichel and Stone can put the puck in the net. Marsha Show is there. We got Connor and Ehlers and Shifley. They can put the puck in the net, but it's really the the rest of the lineup that has to play a consistent game. I'm looking more at the Jets. I'm I'm convinced 
that this is a team that can't play poorly and will score a ton of goals and get away with one. This is a roster that has to play solid 60 minutes, same style of hockey and not get away from it just to give themselves a chance to win. And they can't give up as much. They cannot give up as much as they have. So I'm fascinated by this, not because the Golden Knights are here, but given the way the first three games have gone, the lineup changes we talked about, the fact that they had it handed to them for two periods against LA, how do they respond? That's what I think this is coming into it. So I have no idea what's going to happen. I I think this is a lot on, on how this season might go and how the Jets respond in this game. Pre-game at five, puck drop at seven right here on 680 CJOB. Let's take a break. Let's come back, get your thoughts as well. Um, yeah, we'll get into that also. You okay? Well, I was thinking I was going to maybe tease something, but I don't know if we'll have time. Oh. That's that's where my brain went there for a second. Time is what he's indicating. You were there. about to burst out laughing. Well, I, I didn't. I thought something. Like, I thought did... you fell asleep. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. You know what? I'll say this. Hey, hey, eyes up here. Let's, Stay with me. Uh, one senator did. This is what I was trying to tease there. Uh, one senator has done something in franchise history that has not done before as his team has a hot start. Tell you who that is when we come back. How's that for a tease? That's a tease. Wide awake tease. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back to the show. 204-780-6868. Here's a text message. Uh, the ending of the LA game was alarming to me. Even though it was only game three, they looked lost and it resonated throughout the lineup. Good on bonus for addressing this and future expectations of play now rather than play later. Get it done, Rick. Of course, what we saw today, if you're just joining us, Connor, Shifley, and Appleton. Appleton moved up uh, to replace Gabe Velarde. Ehlers, Nemesnikov, and Perfetti are the second line. Niederreiter dropping down to play with Lowry and Ayafalo. Gustafson, Kupari, and Barron. Uh, Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan, and Pionk. And then Nate Schmidt is going to be a healthy scratch. Logan Stanley is going to be uh, joining the roster, and he's going to be paired up with Sandberg. Brossois is going to be in the net. Now, Jim, coming off that text message we just had there, how important do you think it is that the Winnipeg Jets get ahead? and play with a lead in this game? Well, I think it's instrumental, Cam. I, I, I think this is a roster, like I've said, um, that it's not going to blow anybody away. They have to play a certain way and be consistent with it. And when you have an opportunity to get points, you have to get them. Like the Calgary game, I, I know how good of a game that was for the team, but you can't be that close to going to overtime and not get a point. This yep. isn't a roster. This is a roster, in my opinion, that night in, night out, if they're if they're good enough to get a point, they have to get at least that point in order to make the playoffs. So I think it's important. But the other thing is, is they, they haven't had many leads and, and against the Kings was a, the same thing. They dominated the first period, but they couldn't get out of there with a one or two goal lead two nothing. I think that's a totally different game credit to LA in the yeah. second, but then you're in the fight still and it doesn't get away from you. Same with Calgary. They chased that game all game long. Um, I think it's instrumental tonight. You, you come off that, that dud in the second and third against the Kings get a lead, get a, a two-goal lead, and then I think it changes sort of the feel around this game. So I, I think trying to score first is really important for this Jets roster and how they're built. Vladimir Tarasenko, as we switch to the Sens, uh, the first Sens player in franchise history to register multiple points in his first three home games of the season, a goal and an assist uh, in their 6-1 win yesterday against Washington. He had a 5-2 in a 5-2 win over Tampa. He had a one assist and one goal, and then uh, Philadelphia, two assists, 5-2. The Senators, I think, are going to be pretty good this year. Tarasenko setting records in his first... Six points, three games, baby. This guy, $5 million a bargain. 
And to the cap, when he signed, of all the Bertuzzi's and the Domi's and the Tarasenko's who signed one-year $5 million deals, that to me was the biggest and, bonus. And Shane Pinto sitting... Only guy with only RFA without a contract you, because of that. The crowd the other night was chanting "Sign Pinto." They don't have any money. Pinto. They have no money. I know they're mad about it. They got enough for a two-four. That's you think it. They're mad about it. Ask Shane how he's feeling about it. Jim, exactly. Jim told to take you all the way until three o'clock. That's it for me. I'll be back same time tomorrow for free for all Friday to break down the game free tonight. For all. Free for all. Enjoy the game, everyone. Bye. Jets at noon on six eighty CJOB.